Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're behind. This episode of the House of Mystery is brought to you by Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. LegacyFoodStorage.com Mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Dave Birthday Martino. <laughs> I'm here. You're here. That's, I'm I survived surprised. the weekend. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised that you made it in on a Monday after your birthday. I know. Crazy, not so much. Right? Not so much the drinking, though that too. But <laughs> I was thinking of all that, you know, cake, cake, yeah, icing, exactly. sugar. I much. had to roll myself into the studio. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they, sugar they, coma. Yeah, they had to open both doors to get you in. <laughs> exactly. Get in wheelbar- wheel- yeah. Yes. So, so you're doing all that, so I guess you didn't watch the Grammys. I did not. No. I didn't even know they were on, Al. Yeah, isn't that isn't crazy? Each year it goes by all these award shows. Yeah. It just seemed to get less and less notice, and I don't know what the deal is. Well, I, I actually forgot, too, and I was doing my Perry Mason, and, of course, then I saw something uh, came up on a post, so I... Flip through and and you know five ten minutes and it kept breaking for commercials and I was already bored so I mm. went back to Perry Mason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plus it ends up you know as I'm as I'm getting older you you know less people that win. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like who's Since, this? Uh, yeah, there was a few actually. I because it was the same old Beyonce and uh, yeah, and then then that guy that's from England that dresses funny and. <laughs> Actually, a couple from England that dress is funny. Um, but, yeah, so it was all, yeah, anyway, I didn't pay attention. So, you know, anyway. If it's not 30 years old, I won't know it. Yeah, yeah, none of, you know, <laughs> none of, your, none of your bands that you grew up with, that's for I sure. I know, right? Elvis, the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, so now we're going to get back into it. Now, today we've got an author and uh, her, her new book is called Nine Liars. And so let's talk about that. So joining us is Maureen Johnson. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Wow. So Maureen, nine, uh, nine liars. Wow. That's so, right. Uh, so how do you classify this? And, I, and the reason I ask this is because um, I'm an old guy. And, mm. um, and so it's a detective story, but it's also considered fantasy, supernatural mystery, and young adult romance and detective. So I'm, I'm like, holy cow. I have no idea why it's classified fantasy supernatural, because it's neither of those things. <laughs> I think that's just some, if that's on Amazon, that's some weird, 
Yeah. Uh, I have no that it is not those. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I I, I I usually find that. So young adult. Um, what does that category mean to you when you write? All it means is basically the age of the protagonist. There's really no difference in terms of the level of the writing. I have many, many, many adult readers well through their 70s and 80s. So it's not, it's, it doesn't have any restrictions in terms of who reads it. It's just that it, that the protagonists tend to be under the age of 18. Right, so it's just kind of like who you've got going. How do you how do you write into that um, category? Like, how do you put yourself in the place of your main character or characters that are young adults doing this? Not saying you're old, but right. how do you fit in? How do you like? Because what I'm saying is because each generation has their own thing. Sure. So how do you get into the mindset of someone that's young when you're writing a book like that? Well, I. I feel like people think it's a little more difficult than it is because we, as authors, you get into the mindsets of all kinds of people. Like, how do you get in the mindset of a murderer or an astronaut or a goblin? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a human being. I find, though, the key to YA is that I think there are two things. One is that it tends to be a genre of firsts. Because when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you're doing a lot of things for the first time. So there's a degree, you're it's not like, here I am, 15 years old with another ex-wife. You know, it's not, there's not a lot of baggage you're carrying around generally in terms of huge life experience. That, that, that can vary. Um, and secondly, it's very, it doesn't suffer fools gladly. Um, teenagers are enthusiastic readers. They are also a bit merciless and they can spot if you're trying to fake them out. Adults actually have a much higher tolerance for this, I think, than teenagers. They also tend to read widely across genres. So if you write in, and I have written in these other genres in the past, uh, it's just that this book is a straight up mystery story, um, they'll, they'll hop from one genre to another without being as tightly boxed in. So right. I think just kind of keeping an open mind that you haven't, that the characters haven't experienced that may be going through something for the first time. Right, right. That's what makes sense. So now, um, now do you, you put a certain amount of comedy in this too, don't you? Well, I think that that's just me. I mean, I, I write how I write. So people say this. If pe people tend to find what I write to be funny, uh, great. You know, that's that's just what I sound like. <laughs> well, when you when you but when you do that, do you do you have to be careful of the placement or the the type of humor. You know, in today's circumstance. In, in today's circumstance, meaning. Uh, well, yeah. Do you have to like do you second guess? Do you think? Do you think twice when you've written stuff and you've kind of got some humor, let's say some laughing and stuff like that? Like it's just a, it's um because you're dealing still with a murder yeah, in, yeah. in 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 a book, right? So that's, well, yeah, I think that all jokes, no matter where you use them, have to be well timed, or they're not jokes. So I think that's always part of the calculation. Um, and also classic murder mysteries, I think frequently have a lot of humor in them because they are, I liked, I tend to, these are classic straight up. This is a, this is actually a country house murder mystery. And that, that part of the genre, I think gives it a lot of room for comedy. Cause I think we all know this is not a police procedural. This is not, you know, a gritty realistic. This is a, this is a more classic mystery, which I think has loads of room for comedy because we all know we all know that this is a puzzle in a game well do you you know you talk about timing do, do you think you need a sense of comedic timing like a stand-up comedian needs that to um make an audience laugh do, do, do you need some sort of uh timing or flow to make a reader laugh sure i mean it, it's always necessary it just doesn't work without it you just have to um you have to feel out the the beats and you have to feel out the it's it's more it's it's a very rhythmic thing, so yeah, I think it. I think a lot of comedy is rhythm. Now, is this this is set in the UK? Is that right? It is. Yes. So, is your is your setting and your placement like of London and the UK? Is that kind of a character in itself? Yeah, it takes place in two locations in the UK. It begins in London and it moves out to the countryside, um, to outside of the city of Cheltenham. So, in the in the kind of rolling fields of Gloucester, and it's um, London, 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I've written a lot about London. I, I helpfully have an English husband, so our time is split. We spend a lot of time in the UK, and London has its own special. It's a very, it's a very old city. It's very twisty. It's built on top of itself for two thousand, three thousand years. It's full of tunnels. It's full of secrets. Every time you trip over something and they have to dig a hole, it's a, it's a plague pit. Um, someone's always been murdered somewhere, knighted somewhere. There's always there's lots of magical rocks. So everything has a lot of significance, and there's always 12 stories down whenever you stop anywhere. So the fact that it's just so layered in stories and history that we, a lot of times, you know, American, modern American culture is pretty shallow. Like, we don't have a lot of stuff we can't be like. We, of our current American culture, you can't dig that deep. But you can always pull up something that's like, here's the Roman, here's when the Romans were here, and then here's when the first, the, this king, he, he found a horse and a magical, my, my in-laws live near somewhere, like a, they live near kind of this magical rock where, near where a king was shot in the eye with an arrow, and everything has, is a ma little bit of a magical rock. So many magical rocks, so that's always useful. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you say, it's got, it's got a huge amount of history there. And uh, it's you know it brings a lot of mystery in itself, yeah. Um, your main characters. Um, so, how do you develop your characters, and how do you how do you experience them? Are you seeing them, hearing them, or feeling them, or how? how what's your process? Well, the main character in this is a detective named Stevie Bell, and I she appears first in a book called Truly Devious. I I was a detective, not only just a mystery kid. But really, a detective mystery kid, although or any other mystery that where you could go to the end and find the solution. So, any was like one minute mysteries or Encyclopedia Brown or you know, just I loved a detective and I wanted to build a detective. So I built this original. It's actually a trilogy for her with a kind of bespoke school to give her everything she needed because I needed to figure out how a 16-year-old could be a detective. So I started with that concept and sort of brick and mortar built around her so that there was a structure custom built for her to be a detective. I think I'm very architectural in that sense. I'm very, what do I need? And therefore, who can grow in this environment? That's sort, that's sort of how I think about it. So are you, are, do you have a, you know, I asked this, it might sound weird, but do you have a relationship with, with Stevie? Um, she's mine. I'm not one of those. I don't tend to think that characters are talking to me. Um, well, that's. I'm good. very. I'm very much the. <laughs> I'm in charge here. I'm doing this on purpose. Um, of course, you can hear them in the sense that once you've developed them, you can feel and you you hear things. But you know, I am always well aware that they are figments of my mat. Very well realized figments of imagination. Right. Right. You're not driving down the street talking to yourself. No, no, no. I am, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, you know, uh, how you create your dialogue then. Um, if you're not hearing the dialogue and then transcribing it, what's your, what's your process? I, yeah, I kind of am, but I, it's always what does the scene need to be accomplished? And every line of dialogue is a li obviously a little line of gold. You know, you get so many things that you wring out of dialogue. You get action, you get character. Um, but also in mysteries, you get this third bonus round of potential clue or misdirection. And so you really have to think of what, always what you're trying to accomplish in every scene with that added mystery round of, am I dropping something in this one? Is this, that, that's the really, that's the fun of writing mysteries is you get this extra bonus round of leaving information, trails of information, false trails, real trails, hidden trails. That's my favorite parts. So uh, I guess you outline things pretty pretty thoroughly. You're that type of writer, or do you just kind of go with it? Oh, with mysteries, I am an outliner. I, I start with the, not the how or the who, but the why. Why the crime happened, and then I, then I work the who and the how out of that. Then I work out the crime or crimes in detail and how it was done, who did it, and what potential problems came out of it and information and what things would have come off of it. And then I spiral out from there to work out all of the rest of the information of the story. But I'm very much, I start with the puzzle. These are, 
These are Nine Liars is a fair play mystery. All of the truly devious books or the Stevie Bell mysteries are fair play. So the information is always in the book that you need to solve it. So I really build out from the crime, the incident, figure out what other big story events, character events need to happen, and then really work out from there and sort of create the book, outline it in sort of a little miniature couple pages, then build it out and out and out from there. Well, how do you keep track of everything? Do you have a set of tools? Do you use note cards? Do, um, do you just use a notebook? How does that work for you? I tend to find I like to buy as many organizational tools as possible so that I have so many organizational tools that I have on occasion looked up or tried to buy organizational tools to help me deal with my organizational tools. And then I really go down a rabbit hole <laughs> where I'm really stressed out by all the organizational tools that I have acquired, all the bits of software, all the things I try out, all the whiteboards, all the, and then in the end, it's like many, many post-its, a bunch of screaming, and then um, putting the post-its into it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Electronic post it board. <laughs> Sounds like a job. <laughs> yeah, I like to create as I like to make it as complicated as possible. Yeah, I like to really clutter it up in an attempt to declutter it. It's it's really working for me. Well, yeah, that's the that's the the main thing. How do you, how do you know when the book's done? Like, is there a certain point where you stop editing, stop adding, stop you know writing, and you just know it's done, or is it is it one of those things that never really ends? It's when they threaten me. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. when they threaten me. It's like, no, it's really due. We're coming. Maureen, we're here. We're at the door. We are opening your door. We're standing next to you now. Just stop pretending you can't see us. Give us the book. It, it, it's, it's when they take it. I will work up to the last second. I will be half dead, and my finger will be just reaching for the keyboard to type one more letter. So I like a frenzy. <laughs> when they rip it from your... Yeah. Cold, dead hands. <laughs> right. Um, but what, what, what happens then? Do you ever go back and kind of look at it, a book that's been published, and kind of want to change it or keep adding to it then? Oh, that's painful, isn't it? Yeah. That's no fun. Um, there's no point in that, but because there are, there's it, because, so Truly Devious is a series of three books. Truly Devious, The Vanishing Stare on the Hand of the Wall, that's one mystery. There's another standalone mystery called The Box in the Woods, and this is a standalone mystery called Nine Liars. They all may contain pieces of information I need to make sure I have right, so I will constantly re-reference just to make sure that I have established correctly where everything is, um, who has what, etc. So I, I tend to go back to look for information, but not for, because that, that's that way madness lies. That's just unhappiness. That's just driving yourself up the wall. Yeah, but a lot of writers are unhappy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very happy person. This is why I just I just wander along and just that that's the secret to my happiness is don't don't worry about it. You did it. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah, I think it's Walk true on. because you'll you'll never you'll never really solve that issue because you you're constantly changing and growing and then each time you look at it, you're going to want to update it in a sense or fix it, so to speak, right? So Occasionally a reader will say, I found a typo here to help you. They will say, I found a typo, and they'll send it to you. Yeah. So just stick a, stick a knife in my face, why don't you? Yeah. This is what, so sad every time, just so upset. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I always just block them. <laughs> I always I always thank them and then sit quietly and stare at the wall for a minute. No, and if they you know, if they keep at her then I hunt them down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean they have they have to learn somehow. <laughs> well, so does does that affect you, like the emotion of your surroundings? So like if you're having a bad day, can you still sit down and do your writing on point or do you have to be in the right mood? It has nothing to do with mood. I mean, I have to be basically well. Like, I just had COVID, so not a lot of writing got done. But aside from that, it's a no. I don't. You don't have to be in a in a mood. You make the mood. 
um, I think. You know, it's it's a behavior. It's also your job, but it's a behavior. So you, I, I think, I think most writers cultivate the ability to, or a lot of do, not everybody can't speak for anybody, but you can create that behavior anywhere. It's like I can, I can eat no matter the situation. So you know, I can, I can write pretty much no matter the situation. But what do you hope someone gets out of the book when they read it? Is it just pure entertainment, or do you actually? sort of have a, a, a subtext or a meaning or something you want people to maybe pull out of the book? I hope it's a it's a classic, straight-up country house murder mystery. I hope that they enjoy the puzzle. I hope that they enjoy spending time at this place. I, I really kind of hope to build a place for people to spend some time and some people to spend their time with. And I especially, because that one. I guess there is one thing about writing for when you have teen readers, is that they can relate very heavily to your characters and giving them something to hold on to that they find, you know, that they feel that they've seen themselves in a book is can be very meaningful. Um, for example, CB suffers from anxiety. Loads of people suffer from anxiety. It's not a defining characteristic for her. It's just something she has. It's just like, and also I have green eyes. And then she kind of gets on with it, even though it's a pain. Um, just this idea that things are okay, like it's okay to have some problem, it's okay to, to be worried about your future, it's okay to feel like you're not getting it right. I'm a big believer in things are generally a mess, and that's entirely appropriate. Writing is a mess, life is often very messy, and that's fine, that's actually exactly how it's supposed to go. Do you ever um, use people that you know or have met or have seen as kind of inspirations in characters or maybe certain aspects of them that you use in characters? Uh, loosely. There is a character in that's throughout the series, Nate, who is a writer. He wrote a book when he was a when he was a kid that actually got published and ever since then they've been wanting him to write a second book. And he will do absolutely anything but write his book. And having said that I can write under any circumstances, I have was obviously lying. And um, writers often avoid writing as much as humanly possible and then classify whatever it is they're doing as writing. Like, I am painting. This is my form of writing. I am cleaning this floor. It is a form of writing. Um, so he is me and every writer I know just desperately trying to avoid the task at hand by not writing or writing the thing he's not supposed to be writing. Well, do you ever kill people you know? Uh, have I ever killed anybody I know? Uh, sort of. You mean in a book, right? I mean, a person. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, is this you a know, trap? Something else to tell. Is this a trap? Yeah, we this, won't tell anyone. Yeah, this is, <laughs> we won't let anybody. This is nobody. Will such know. a such an easy trap I fell into. Um, yeah. Uh, eh, those those people generally have all been uh, created. I don't think I, I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I've actually. That doesn't sound real believable, but that's okay. Look, I want a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave's a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look, well, what are you going to tell me then? Don't say anything else. <laughs> no, no, speak your mind. Mm. Yeah. You have nothing say to say. Say it all. He didn't say he was a good lawyer. I know. Yeah. Cause... yeah. <laughs> so how do you get yourself to write if you're in that mood where you're cleaning floors? Is well, there a trick? Uh, it's, I don't know if you find this as well. Is it when you're doing something else, sometimes that's when you think? Showering, walking, cooking. You know, Sometimes I just have to get up and physically do something and work it through, and then I find that I've left myself little notes all over the house, like on the little whiteboard in the kitchen or... Just random scrawled notes. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Uh, then it's simply the action of sitting down and frequently um, just using, I use a program to turn off the Internet. So that, 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 that tends to be what gets you as well. I'll just look something up. I'll answer an email. If you use a, if you use a blocker, then you just absolutely can't get online. And um, then it, it just drags you back to what you have to do. Yeah, the Internet's a dangerous place. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful, messy, awful, great place. It's like a bar fight every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you like to, um, you know, read your reviews? Do you, do you get into mm. that and how things are, how people respond to when you write? No. I mean, I'll glance at them, not, not on 
on sites, but like actual like trade reviews and things like that, or if someone sends something to me, I'll I'll give it a quick read. But I that's it. It's very quick. But I don't go and like read Goodreads or Amazon reviews. Maybe once or twice when the book's first out, just to see generally what people think. But then after that, that's again. It's um, it can even if they're you know they they're great. I'm I'm not even sure how they serve, uh, because I I you know people can have absolutely any opinion they want about it, and there's nothing. Also, sometimes you see on Amazon, there'll be things like you'll get a bad review and you'll you will look at it and it'll be like book came damaged. And you're like okay, there's nothing I can do about this. So why did I come here? This is your own fault. This is your own fault for showing up. So. Honestly, no, I just don't, I don't, I don't it, it doesn't really inf- change or inform what I do generally. Yeah, I just look at the um, overall, if, I, yeah. if I'm on, like, you know, if it's like 500 reviews and you're four, four and a half stars, that's great, good enough. You know. I kind of imagine I'm cooking at a diner or something, every once in a while I lean in and go, people liking the, people liking the burgers, great, lean back yeah. in, just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they stop coming if they don't. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's interesting. So, who 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 are your inspirations, or do you have any writers that you're inspired by, or you like reading? I mean, that's a tough. I mean, we all read loads and loads and loads. Um, I frequently talk about my favorite my favorite young adult mystery ever was The Westing Game, which came out in 1978 and is still amazingly readable. And I reread it at least once a year, and I was obsessed with it as a child. And uh, I think it won the Newbery in 78. And it is a, an incredible example of a really good murder puzzle mystery for kids. And it's even for a younger audience. That's a middle grade book. And it's so good. And it, it really got to me as a kid. It was like all I could think about was this puzzle in this book. If, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's an amazingly good book. I've never read a book before. I'm, I'm considering yeah. it. I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm tired of comic books, so I'm thinking of moving up. But I don't know. Yeah. There's so many good comic books, though. It's probably, just keep going with that. Yeah. And that's also rating, so that's fine. Yeah, I love pictures, too. I mean, okay, so at, what's next? Like, what are you going to do? Uh, are you going to keep doing this? Uh, you know, young adults and all that, is that sort of your passion? It's it's a lot of what I do. Um, I'm certainly going to be continuing. I have more Stevie Bell mysteries coming. I have an entirely new standalone young adult mystery coming next year called Death at Morning House. Um, I just really, I've written a lot of YA books, but I was always a classic mystery person. And it took me a long time to get around to writing straight up classic mysteries. I don't know why. I think it was because I loved them so much and they were so dear to my heart that I, I just didn't think I could do it. For some reason, but it turns out that's that's really where I wanted to be. So I have at least three more coming up right now, and hopefully even more after that. So where did you get interested in writing? Were you were you that person that was writing since five years old type thing? Or I was that I was that person. I don't really have any other skills, and uh, it's just I feel like that's the key to success if, in something like writing. That's a pretty sketchy thing to want to get into is. Just develop that one skill and really lean into it so that you have no other choices. That's worked for me. That's not great advice, but that worked for me. I'm like, I got to make this work because I don't know how to land planes or anything. So I got this thing, so I'm going to do it. Well, there's a lot of, there's plenty of people out there that don't know how to do their job. So. <laughs> ah, yeah. I, I mean, that's fair enough. So, But I'm a real eggs, all eggs in one basket kind of a person. I'm going to go down with the ship. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a writer, and of course, everybody was like, "No, really," and I was like, "No, this is really what I want to do." Was there a certain thing that made you actually decide to to send it to a publisher or get it out there? It, I just constantly worked to that course. I I studied uh, rhetoric and writing in undergrad. I did actually I did, I did two MFAs, uh, one in writing and one in theatrical dramaturgy, sort of at the same time. Uh, but as I was working on my MFA, it turns out someone I knew was very quietly showing my in-class work to an agent. And so I wasn't even ready to submit yet, and I kind of got picked up before even I was um, ready, like before I was even thought I would. So I was got very lucky in that respect. Wow, that's great. It was, I mean, yeah, it was great. It was very like, oh, you've been doing what now? And uh, they're like, no, they love it. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. But... 
yeah. It's, so I was very lucky. So that really right, actually, I was still in grad school. What would you say to someone that's a brand new writer out there? Um, embrace the idea of messing up and failing and that not, that things, uh, that all writing when you first write is bad. So if you were like, I write and it's really bad or I'm writing the story and it's terrible and I don't know how to do it, that that means you're right on track, that you're, you're feeling like everybody feels or like most people feel. It's like, I don't know, what is this? What am I doing? I'm doing it wrong. Things have to be written poorly before they're written well and that it does take time to learn and to do. I think people sometimes think like writing is different that you just sit down and you can do it, and that's just magic. And I um, and I always think, like, would you just say to someone, did you just sit down and play the piano with nobody teaching you how to do it? I mean, I'm sure people have done that, but generally speaking, someone's got to teach you what the keys are and you got to practice. And it is a thing that takes practice and trial and error, and it continues to need trial and error forever. Yeah, that never really changes, does it, you know? No. Wow. So now are you interacting? Do you have social media set up? Do you have a website? How do people find you? Oh, they find me. Um, I've always been pretty active on social media. Um, I'm on Twitter at Maureen Johnson and Instagram at Maureen Johnson Books and then online at MaureenJohnson.com. So pretty easy. Wow. You're just all over the place. Well, of course, now we're going to have all of that up on the website. People can find you, find the book, find find everything. And please... Send her a message. She likes it. Maureen likes that. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wow. <laughs> well, um, we really appreciate you coming in, talking about your new book. Uh, of course, the book is called Nine Liars. And our guest has been Maureen Johnson. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Maureen. Are you prepared? Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. So nostrils were invented in 2012. 2012, yeah. Nachos. Yeah. But with chips and <laughs> cheese. Yeah, 2012, of course. No, I had nachos before 2012. <laughs> Way before 2012. <laughs> I had it in the 90s. No? Even the 80s, I had nachos. You did? Yeah. Wow. Oh, and I, you know, and it's really bad, <laughs> but back in the 80s when I, we'd go out clubbing and drinking, I would go afterwards and you go to those fast food places that you know pizza slices and stuff and they had nachos but they just put that uh heated like velveta on it oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like real cheese it was just that topping on mm. it and um i wonder what's in that you don't want to know no i probably don't <laughs> if you think about it it's probably nothing i i should have in my body but processed cheese. Mm. Yeah, it's just processed. Which it's processed good. food is really good for you, from what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, processed food and saturated fats are the best. Trans <laughs> fats. You know. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, oh, they yeah. might have to change the name of trans fat. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble there. Well, well, you know... That was the greatest when they had like real oil with trans fats and they'd they'd take, you know, McDonald's would take an apple pie that was breaded or whatever and it would they'd shove it in the fryer and it would come out the the uh the the, the temperature of the sun and it was just <laughs> and they've taken it away. Yeah, they they've don't taken it away from us. Well, 
because it's causing people to be sick and die, right? That's okay. <laughs> Not everybody got sick and died. Only no. some people. No, some people are preserved now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I anyway. So now you're talking about AMC charging for seats. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're going to they're going to a tiered system, from what I hear, where you know you know the seats that are really close to yeah. the screen well right. they're going to discount those seats i don't have a problem with that i mean that's fine because uh, those are terrible seats anyway but i don't think they're they're really packing them in the theaters anyway today but what they're going to do is they're going to take like the best seats the seats that have like a clear view of the screen and they're going to upcharge them <laughs> yeah you know they, they they should leave that well and that should be left alone yeah, why great. why even get into that? That's awfully that's a sticky situation. <laughs> yeah, and not just the floors. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean is that they're gonna clean those seats better? Yeah. Because well, it, they're charging you for the view. Room with a view. Room with view. And they can't even get people into the theaters to begin with. Yeah. I mean it it's kinda crazy because you already pay enough if you buy popcorn and pop there or stuff. Oh my right? God! Yes, it's huge, outrageous amount of price, and you understand that when you do that, that's because that's paying for it, right? Right. But right. I, I, unless the seat's really particularly good, yeah, that would be like charging first class prices on an airplane in the middle yeah. of the row, right? Or just because well, you I have a window seat. Yeah, well, I saw somebody say that when you're not an airplane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because really, what's there's not a really there's not a payable difference. No, in seats, uh, for no, me, there really isn't. Not and there. I used to, like I said, I when I was young, and foolish, <laughs> which I'm just old and foolish now. But when I was young and foolish, I went and saw uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, must have yeah. been probably in 1980 something. 84 or something. And we all ran to the front row because we wanted to watch the... Because we had seen it and we wanted to watch it again, but with the rock rolling (laughs) down, chasing them, their big round rock. And we wanted to see what it looked like from the front row. (laughs) Did it look better? We had a good time with it. It was fun. We were... I'm sure it was. It wasn't that great. I don't know. (laughs) But I I remember it was pretty uh, thrilling for us. At the time, it was a quick yeah. kick, I guess. Um, <laughs> silly. <laughs> we had so much less stuff back then. Yeah, because we didn't have flat screen TVs, and we couldn't. No. We didn't have the computers, and you didn't have uh, exposure to such things. And even no. the 3D IMAX theaters and stuff weren't around. No, I mean so, they did have 3D for for a short time in the 80s, like Jaws in 3D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. But they were t- terrible movies, and well, you know what I mean. Like it was not not that great. Like we, I saw Friday the 13th mm-hmm. Part Three in 3D. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, they give you the glasses, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it wasn't that great because every time that's why if you watch it now, he, he sort of hacks people and it sort of shows him with the sword or whatever going down to the screen. Like, yeah, exactly. It's because they were trying to make it 3D so that when you had the glasses on, it you felt like you were being hacked up. They did the same thing with Jaws. They had like a uh, hypodermic needle and then they like shot it towards the the the, uh, the, the camera and, and sprayed out the, the liquid and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was... And that was, it, it was kind of a, a big deal then, but yeah, With my hometown people. cinema didn't even have 3D, so I saw Jaws three in 3D, but not in 3D. Oh, th- Jaws three. <laughs> they couldn't afford it. No, they couldn't. And they couldn't afford it. And you know, the glasses were a big deal. Those 3D glasses. Yeah. I remember, there's a few programs on TV that tried to do that too. Yeah. And if you bought, you had to buy a cereal or something to get the glasses. Yeah, or you could get them at a at a drugstore or whatever. Yeah, you had to buy. So it was like a big deal to have to go get them. What a sad childhood I had. I know, right? My life was collecting hockey cards or baseball cards and 3D glasses. That's right, comic books. Yeah, what a sad life. But I did everything <laughs> different too because I was always into the horror comics. The Oh yeah, uh, me too. Ghost ones, the mystery ones, and stuff like that. I never got Archie and. Oh, well, I got Archie too. No, I never. No, 
didn't touch it. <laughs> I mean, if, if they were sometimes around home, it's probably my sister, but yeah, I never cared for any of that stuff. I read them all. I, I bought my Magic Mike tickets already. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah, I bought out a whole... I'm buying the the great seats and the whole row of great seats. So you can see his last dance? Yeah. So I can... That's great. Make the last dance. I wonder if they're going to use the Donna <laughs> Summer song with that last dance. Oh, they, oh that they might. You know, I mean, bring it back. They she's, might. She's she's dead too now, so... <laughs> I mean, what, why are they making a Magic Mike? This is part three or something now? Yes. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Well, could you imagine doing uh, all three of them or six hours of Magic Mike? Oh, at home, God. like just oh, this is a <laughs> binge it, a binging. This is going to be a Magic Mike day. We're going to sit down on Saturday and watch, uh, watch yeah. them go, baby, go, <laughs> go. <laughs> but do you think they really do the dancing? <laughs> I mean, seriously, do you, do you think that's really? The the stars that up there doing it all, like, oh, probably not. They probably have dance doubles, right? Something. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, is that it? I, I would imagine. Are you telling me <laughs> that Kevin Bacon didn't do his dance scenes in um, uh, what was that? Movie? I don't know. I Footloose. About it. Footloose. 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 I never watched Footloose. Come on. And I, well, you gotta watch. You gotta watch the dance stuff because you can see like every time he goes to dance, it's like he's in shadow, so that you can't see his face. Oh, okay, great. And they just go to the feet, just like they do that yeah. with guitar players, like people on, on a movie, yeah. and there's or piano players, and it it shows them sit down, and then all of a sudden it's just Schultz fingers going across the piano. Across. But you know, it's supposed to be a woman, and this big man's hand going. Across. Yeah. Oh, she's got rough hands. She needs some lotion. It's like the movie Spaceballs. You captured their stunt doubles. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that, of but... that doubling with these people, I'm sorry <laughs> to say. Yeah. Except, for, except for Baby, Swayze. Now, Patrick Swayze was a real dancer. <laughs> now, that's a real movie. Now that's Yeah, you don't put Baby in a corner. Corner, that's right. <laughs> that's a great film. I have that on 4K. I bet you do. Too, along with Roadhouse, I have Roadhouse on 4K. And who would watch Roadhouse? Roadhouse is one of the greatest films of all time. What are you talking about? I can't. And then I wouldn't even Jeff stop Neely. and watch that on if I'm flipping it through the TV. It, I wouldn't. It's worth it for just for Jeff Heal. We saw him live. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was amazing. He opened up for Rod Stewart. Did he? He there was Jeff Healy. Then it went to um, uh, Tom Cochran and Red Ryder. Okay. Yep. And then it went to, oh, someone else, a rockabilly guy. Okay. And yep. then it went to uh, um, Rod Stewart. Yeah, so it was like this big, huge concert. Yeah, it was 60,000 seater at, at BC Place wow. Stadium in Vancouver. So 60,000 fans. And, uh, and yeah, Healy opened up. And uh, then I can't remember the Rockabelly guy. Hmm. He was around for a while and then just sort of huh. disappeared. He was like a stray cat guy, but he wasn't. Okay. He was just uh, yeah, himself. I can't remember anybody. And uh, then we had, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Tom Cochran. I think Tom Cochran was the best. Oh, I'm sure. That night. Uh, it seemed to be the best. And then, you know, when Rod Stewart came on, you know, of course, he had all these guys with bagpipes going through the crowd, which really <laughs> irritated me because they were oh, walking yeah. up and down all the aisles and playing. And he was like, ah. And it was real irritating listening to bagpipes that close. And they were all, and because they did all that for like 10, 15 minutes before he came out. So you knew he oh, was no. coming, you know. That's too much. You know, and it was like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding. You know, you're wearing <laughs> off my, my high. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> And you know, I will say it wasn't that good. I mean, he did. It, he sounded very polished, Rod yep. Stewart. Because the first time I saw him um, years before, it was very raw and Jeff Beck, uh, and it was yep. rock, and it was very. It was a really good concert. Um, this one was. It was like he was playing with a band that was all by themselves. Yeah, and they. It could have been like a um, CD playing. 
Oh wow! Like it was yep. it was almost like he was. They all it sounded every song sounded the same. Really wow! You know, and he just sang over it, so it was kind of his heyday had gone. <laughs> it was it was it wasn't that good. I which was too bad. Well, I think they they get to the point where they they structure the show in such a way that you know it's the same show every night. Yeah, and it's almost it's almost like seeing a play or something. It's, yeah, it's and, not like a, a raucous rock band. And plus, when you you have someone like Rod Stewart or just like the Stones, you need the guitar players. You need it like Jeff Beck made a difference. You need someone yeah. that could play, and it was a rock show. You know what I mean? You know yeah. they were doing Hot Legs and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, solos, yeah. And it was more rock. And this was, it became, it sounded very poppy. Yeah, well, he became yeah. a little bit more mainstream by that point. Yeah, it was some guys have all the luck and all that was, I think, was yeah. out at that time. And then, um, so it all... Which I liked. No, it, I do. I but, And it was yeah. really weird because I didn't mind that stuff on the radio, but, yeah, but live, it, it sounded, some guys have all the luck, hot legs, it was all the same. You didn't know what wow. the band was playing. If he didn't, if he wasn't singing the words, it would sound all the same. Like wow. they made it all into the yeah. same sort of beat. It sounded like a, a DJ had <laughs> mixed it all together type thing. And there was no difference. It didn't matter what he sang. So, I, you know, I was disappointed. Homogenized. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I usually like it when it's homogenized. Homo milk. Homo milk, which I can't drink. It's way too thick now. No more homo. Yes. No. No. Can't do homo milk anymore. <laughs> well, I can't. Well, and speaking of good music, now, so now the Grammys have come and gone. Yeah. And of course, you were too drunk to watch. Yes, I was. I but, um, Again, it seems like the biggest, um, at least I did know some of the artists that were there. Okay. Like I said, like Beyonce, you kind of know who she is. Yeah. Mind you, she won something, and I guess she's the most awarded Grammy winner ever, like 23 really? or something now. And uh, the thing is, I don't know any of her music. Yeah, I don't either. You know? And Put a ring on it. I think that's all I got. Yeah, but I never listened to any of it. No. Which is really crazy, because, I mean, I... She's a good singer. She's got one of the better voices out there. And anytime I've seen her on stage, she looks like she can really move and yeah. all of that. But I don't really know any of her songs. No, I, I just, you know, put a I ring on it. I stopped listening to music 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and she did some song with Lady Gaga, like the telephone song or something. that Okay. Something yeah. that, which yeah, I've sure. heard a few yeah. times, but I don't know it. Like, I couldn't tell you how it goes. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting because there was a time when you you would know these songs. Yeah, I knew everybody at the Grammys. Yeah. It would be yeah. from one end to the other, whether it was Stevie Ray Vaughan or, or Cindy Lauper. You know, it just, you knew it all. Yeah, it was all there. And I think I think we're kind of fragmented, Yeah, you know, as a society and stuff. So I don't, I don't think we all hear the same stuff. No, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. And, uh you know, and of course, of course, it was uh, Madonna introduced Sam Smith, who did his little devil song, Unholy, and, and all these TikToks and all these, the Grammys are promoting Satan and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. I, it looked a little ridiculous. The whole thing is silly. I, I, you know, silly. But it was kind of funny, because it's like, I remember Sammy Davis Jr. dressing up like the devil and singing in the oh. 60s, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's something. Artists. And he was one of the greatest. No, I will say he was the greatest entertainer of all time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Glass Eye himself. Yes, and his <laughs> matter of fact, Tap was just on um, one of the channels. I love that movie. Oh, there you go, With Gregory Hines and the Nicholas Brothers. I forgot all about that. Oh, I love There's that. There's a reason why, but I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I forgot that existed. You know, now, there's a dance movie for you. Well, yeah. It's a good one. Well, at least and they then can dance. With, um, yeah, well, then there's one with Gregory Hines and uh, Barishnikov, uh White Knights. Yeah, but, you know, that sounds a little too too gay for me. <laughs> Barishnikov. <laughs> He's way too gay for me. Oh, it's awesome. There's the, the, the rubles, rubles, rubles scene. If anybody's watched that film, 
No. And it, it, the pirouettes. There's nobody alive that's seen that anymore. Oh. <laughs> they don't be like, I, I love the pirouette scene. And the, they don't even know what a pirouette is. Come on. So there's, no. <laughs> and Riznikov, <laughs> they've never heard of. There's like, isn't that guy no. the Russian leader? No, that's. <laughs> forget it. Was that the guy in Die Hard? Or... Yeah. <laughs> who I think was was a, there was a there was a bad guy in Die Hard who was I think uh, a ballerina. Oh, there you go. Or whatever they call a, a male ballerina. A ballerina. <laughs> a ballerina. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, um, I'd rather see Magic Mike. <laughs> but that's you know for a different reason. Well, that's really crazy. I um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I've left you speechless. Yeah, it happens once in a yeah. while. I kind of get lost my elderly <laughs> ways. <laughs> me, me too. You know, I'm getting there. And Dancing with the Stars is that still on? I don't even know. Oh well. Anyway, that watch it. so people were upset. Well, I guess. A lot of young people, according to the Daily Mail, which I take that with a grain of salt, but because Bonnie Raitt uh, won for, I think, Album of the Year. Oh, did she? Yeah. So all the huh. um, young stars didn't win. So all these people were like, who is this unknown? Well, that's what the Daily unknown. Mail says now on the cover of the Daily Mail. They say some unknown blues singer wins. It's like really, <laughs> you're, you, so your reporter is that far off. Wow. They shouldn't be reporting. Were, were they being sarcastic? Well, you see, I'm not sure because people are posting that around, as in they're really upset because how could you not know Bonnie Raitt? So I'm yeah. not sure if they were being sarcastic or if. They, but either way, if you're a newspaper, you're not supposed to be sarcastic in reporting the news. Really? Yes. You know what I mean? If <laughs> yeah. you're like a yeah. Rolling Stone, you could get away with that because you're kind of have an opinion. But yeah, a newspaper, a newspaper is just supposed to say, supposed to list, okay, here are the winners. The Grammys were on and yeah. these stars won and these ones didn't or whatever, <laughs> right? Or upset or shock or something. But you see, that's how you would put it. Shock, shocking, yeah. you know, uh, instead of whatever, Lady Gaga, you... Bonnie Raitt beat Lady Gaga. You put something like that. You wouldn't put unknown, unknown blues singer because she's not unknown. She's, she's won Grammys yeah. before for best songs and albums. Yeah, you know, let's give them something to talk about. I think. Yeah, was the song. Yeah, it was from, the... from um, which was the '90s, and that was yeah, but still you know, probably a comeback. It was a big deal. I mean, she won and yeah, whatever. But now she's unknown. Yeah. Well, that's because we're fragmented. Yeah. You know, you couldn't get away from you know these songs. No matter what, you would you would hear songs whether they were rock, pop, country, whatever it was, you you would have at least heard them in passing. Yeah. Now you know, know who these people were yeah. at least to some extent. Well, that's crazy. Um but an unknown blues singer one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bonnie Raitt. Who? Who? And, Who's that? And Unholy One, of course. <laughs> I've never even heard it. I've heard the song because I flip through TikTok every day, and there's a lot of clips of it on people clipping it, and they uh -huh. use it when they talk or when they're doing something. They have it playing in the background because it's kind of uh -huh. nasty. And then his okay. new one, of course, because of the controversy, you know, and I'm not here to make friends. I need a lover, whatever. And it's yeah. got him wearing pasties over his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing a dress <laughs> below that and and okay. it's pretty graphic it it's kind of it make madonna blush i blush i think wow yeah it's pretty graphic i think um so he's kicking it up a notch to try to get some attention certainly certainly because yeah, all of the bad nice. rhetoric I, I a lot of people are are panning madonna too because she dressed up like a uh you know a dominatrix <laughs> right and is that is that anything new no but the thing is she's 30 years older when she did it the first time yeah. she was 30 and now she's 60 and so she's had you know tightening work done on the face in different parts yeah. so it almost she almost looks like a doll or something but i think the thing that people are missing is uh people like her do that not because she didn't care what you think of her you like her yeah. or don't like her. She just cares that you're talking about her. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's how she's made her whole life. She's done that. Yeah, well, that's true. And so it's just about being talked about. And she knows how to work that. Whereas, I, you know, Sam Smith is doing the same thing, but I don't know if he knows how to work it. But we'll see. Because, <laughs> you know, because he has to deal with that all the time now. And I don't know if he's used yeah. to that. He may not be. No. So we'll see what happens. You have to have a very thick skin. Yeah. Because she, she seems to enjoy it. She's enjoyed it for 40 years. Um, yeah. Lover or hater. And yeah, she feeds off. Yeah. Of she, that, that feeds the fire and she writes more, more albums. So more yeah. songs. So that keeps her going. I don't know that. I don't know if that'll work for Sam Smith, but he seems a lot more You have more to be personal. comfortable being the villain. Yeah. And he seems a lot nicer and more personal, but. I don't yeah. know. Who hmm. knows? But I was thinking, okay, so what we're going to do is next week we have to come to work and we're wearing pasties on our nipples. <laughs> so that we can have, yeah. us have wear devil horns. And yeah. yeah. We're all red. Yeah. Pitchforks. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. That's how we have to do it, you know? Well, yeah, we'll we'll be like that, um, like that other um, show, you know, where they dress mm. up. <laughs> Yeah. Lurking for legends. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have to dress up like lurking for legends and then pretend we're in a story. We could look like, wasn't there like, like a can of deviled ham or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Devil's food. Talking about old stuff, right? Yeah. Remember devil's food and it had the little devil on it. What was it? It was some sort of meat. It was something. Yeah. Some sort of devil food spread or whatever. Some sort of meat like spam. You know, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. It was some, I need. To, some, I need to get that. Some sort of processed food, something meat that you're. I need to post that on social media. Yeah, that's one <laughs> yeah, I, start... I haven't thought about in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I just it just came to my mind. I'm like, we got to post that and say, you know, this is this is truly horrendous. Because you probably ate that all the time at lunch. And probably <laughs> it's probably good. Good it's like the 70s thing that ended up in your in your lunchbox, you know. Do you think they make it anymore? It's mine, you know. I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen it. Devil's food cake. Uh, Devil's food cake. Well, that's still around. Yeah, yeah. But they they probably don't call that anymore. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, deviled ham. Deviled ham. Devil. <laughs> Devil's food spread. <laughs> Premium quality devil ham spread <laughs> oh my god mm. you can get the family That's... six pack <laughs> it loolooks like cat food <laughs> yeah it's right it did well it's available it probably tasted like cat food you can too. still buy it 8.99 for a six pack perfect does it have the little devil guy on yeah it? still does oh awesome yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that they're, they're, they're that this deviled food thing is they're worshiping Satan. Yeah, there you go. I just sent you the six packs, so now you can post. Oh, that. tastes great Perfect. in wraps. That's modern. I think, so they've added that. Tastes great in wraps. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think we get a protest. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 10.50 a.m. Don't forget that number. And for you young people who got here by accidentally fat-fingering your FM band selector, we're an AM radio station, and AM refers to more than just the time of day. How you doing? This is Gary Garver. In today's society, the majority of people are not getting enough sleep. I know I'm not. If you're like me and having problems getting a good night's rest, whether it's health or stress-related, I have a solution for you. South Pacific Sleep Lab. South Pacific Sleep Lab will do an evaluation of your sleep pattern and will provide a comprehensive study so you can start getting a restful, peaceful night of sleep. They take all types of insurance, which will cover your cost of the evaluation, and they will even provide transportation to their offices 
at no cost to you. For more information, contact Tony at 310-999-1887. That's 310-999-1887. Tony even stays awake all night, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, so you can sleep better and rest easy. South Pacific Sleep Lab, start feeling better and getting a great night of sleep today. Psst, hey you, yeah, you, do you know where you are? Well, you've done it now. You're listening to KCAA Loma Linda, your CNBC news station. So expect the unexpected. Del Wamsley and the Wealth Cycle. This is the wealth cycle that I've taught for 30 years. Buy one house, 10 houses, an apartment, two apartments, 820, 500 units, 1,000 units, 2,000, 5,000 units. And as you keep putting the money and the profits back in, you become one of those rich people. And much quicker than you'd even believe. Learn Dell's Wealth Cycle at GiveMeTotalFreedom.com. Use promo code 2023. Save 60%. Code 2023. GiveMeTotalFreedom.com GiveMeTotalFreedom.com Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TehiboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TehiboTeaClub.com. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 a.m., the station that leaves no listener behind. 